Okay, so this week's episode, we have on someone that I guarantee all of you know, all of you have seen one video or another at some point in time. I mean, I've been, uh, I've been involved in strength conditioning now since like actually full-time coaching since 2010. And I've seen your name pop up even before that, like, like crazy. Um, I was, when, when I was involved in DeFranco's, your name was constantly popping up and, and you, before I knew it, your YouTube page, what did it, it, it got like half a million people subscribed to it. Way, way back then, it was insane. I couldn't believe it. I remember Joe DeFranco and I talking about, it, like, where the hell did this come from? Like, you blew up. And today's guest is Elliot Hulse. Um, <laughs> you see the videos, it's like, yo, Elliot, like, oh, and you're just doing a QA. And you started off with, it seemed like you were doing strongman stuff. And then you just turned into, I don't know, it, it looks like you want to help boys become men and men become better men. I don't know. I, I can't, I can't seem to grasp what the hell it is you're doing now. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just good looking and charismatic. So people like to listen to me. That's it. <laughs> <I'm> gonna... <laughs> so, so can, how, how did you, how did you start on this and where did you just take it? That's a long story, man. I started lifting when I was four. I started working out when I was a kid. My uncle was a black belt in Kung Fu. He was a gymnast. He ran marathons and uh, he lived with us. And he taught me and my brothers how to do like push-ups and sit-ups. And we were working out when we were, when we were kids. I was like the only kid in, uh, in kindergarten that could do push-ups. You know, I was ripping out the pull-ups. It's genetic too, you know, both my mother's side and my father's side, they were pretty strong people. They're into health and fitness. When I got into high school, my uncle, uh, back before it was even like a, a thing, he became a personal trainer. The very first, I think the very first certification that ever came out, I think it was ACE. And he took it in like 1994. And I remember him coming, coming over one day and he was like, all right, cause I'm starting to play football. He's like, all right, we got to get you a barbell and we got to get some, some plates. And he started teaching me and my brother how to lift in my parents' basement when I was 14 years old. And man, I knew, I knew at that moment that for the rest of my life, I, was, I wanted to do that. I wanted to lift and then I wanted to teach people how to lift. Uh, my uncle made a living out of it back when it wasn't even a profession, right? Like nobody knew what that was. I think only like rich people in Hollywood had personal trainers, but he was, he was in like Jersey City training people in like this old uh, boxing gym. He was training them on the upstairs. And I just took that as inspiration. I played football in high school and college. When I got out of college, I went to be a personal trainer at a, you know, a typical fitness gym. I moved to Florida and I was really inspired by Joe DeFranco. Joe and, uh, and Zach Evanesh. Yeah, I was yeah. just going to bring guys. up Zach. Yeah. Those two guys, when I saw them on YouTube, I saw Zach first on YouTube and then I think Zach introduced me to Joe's stuff. Uh, and then I got into strongman training. I started I started strength camp because Zach was training people in his garage with trash. I didn't even have a garage. But I could get trash. <laughs> I was like, let me go find some trash. I, and it's funny, too, yesterday I would, was doing some sled pulling with the same tire I got like, you know, 12 years ago that I found in the junkyard. I still pull it. I still pull the same sled. So I started doing that, making YouTube videos. And, you know, the grace of God brought me to where I am today. So, so you were originally in Jersey, though, right? Uh, no, Long Island, New York. Okay, okay. But you were, you were in, in this area because I, I could have sworn I remember you having something going on here. And even, even talking to Zach Evanesh then, whenever I thought underground strength gym, I, I did think, you what was the name of your what, what you were doing over here? I wasn't doing anything here. Nothing? No, I didn't do anything in New York. Uh, I mean, I was working. I worked at New York Sports Club. Okay. And I worked at Sports Time. And I worked, yeah, I worked at like, you know, a bunch of different gyms. But when I moved down to Florida, I... I I worked for what is now uh, LA Fitness. It was personal training. I was doing pretty good because I also learned sales. I discovered real quickly that you could be a great trainer. You could be jacked. You could you know, know how to get people results. But if you don't know how to close people, you don't know how to market, um, you're not going to do well. So I figured out really quickly if I was going to survive in this game, I was going to have to become a businessman. And I very quickly like rose through the ranks at LA Fitness. And I got, you know, I tend to get inflated right i got pretty excited about myself and i was like shit i don't need these guys 
Uh, and I went out and I, I tried to venture out on my own. And that's when I found Zach Evanesh because I was like, how am I going to train people? I don't have any equipment. And I came across Zach's stuff and he was training people with sandbags. I remember one day spending like my whole afternoon just filling sandbags. That's how I started my business, filling sandbags and finding uh, tire sleds. And I started training people in the park because I didn't have a gym. And, uh, and then, you know, by and by, I saw Joe D and he, was, he had a warehouse, his whole story. You know, he loves to tell that story about how he started in the, in the, in the closet. And I was like, damn, if these guys can do it, I, I can definitely do this. So I started with the garbage and then, uh, and then I opened a little warehouse, just this little roll up door, real small place. And around that same time, I just started making YouTube videos because I wanted the people that were coming to my gym, the guys that were coming to my gym and the athletes to just share, share the videos with their friends so they could see what they're doing. Cause you know, it was unique stuff. Back, right now, everybody's doing strongman training. Everybody, it's like you have, like the stuff that was garbage, trash that we were training with, people like spend a lot of money for now, right? Like you gotta, <laughs> you gotta buy tires. Like we didn't buy tires. Was, people were throwing tires away back then. And so yeah, it just evolved from there. Yeah, I, I remember when we were at DeFranco's, um, we needed to get a tire. So uh, Joe and I, and maybe one of our clients that, or I was a client at that point, so I was, I was helping people get it, but well, it was someone with a pickup truck, we'd go to all these different tire spots and they're like, yeah, we're looking to throw this one away. You, you could have this. So we were going, I probably went to four or five different places looking for tires. And then yeah. we, we ended up getting shit that was just what we thought was way too big and people could barely flip it. And before you knew it, we everyone got so damn strong. We started flipping these monsters. It was awesome. Yeah, That was that. And that's, you know, all the parking lot training and shit. And, and I, I remember reaching out to you years ago when I was part of a supplement company mm -hmm. and your blog had just started I, from what I thought was just started taking off. I was like, Hey, listen, maybe, maybe we sponsor you. You're like, Hey man, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm already sponsored, but you know, I, I appreciate you reaching out. I was like, Holy shit. How big is this guy? I've never, <laughs> it, it never dawned on me how much you erupted in such a short period of time. How did you do that? I don't know. <laughs> I was just making, I was just making YouTube videos. And apparently, like I said, I I'm good looking, charismatic. It's totally out of my hands. I don't know what happened. <laughs> there are guys that are smarter than me. It's funny. I actually went on, on Joe's uh, YouTube channel yesterday. Cause I was looking for something. And, uh, and I was like, I mean, Joe knows something about this. Uh, and I realized like, wow, even Joe, who's somebody who I looked up to and like was a mentor to me, I didn't, he and I never spoke really, but watching his videos, getting the DVDs, reading his articles, uh, I was like, wow, his channel really does, it doesn't have a lot of subscribers. I was like, what is this? Why is it these guys that are smarter than me that are doing big things uh, don't blow up in the same fashion? And like I said, I mean, I just had to, I got to chalk it up to luck in a lot of ways. I got to chalk it up to some of the intangibles. I did make a strategic move in around 2013, 2013, I made a move because I saw the, the Hodge twins, they were blowing up on, on YouTube, remember Hodge twins, but they were funny, right? I'm not like a comedian, but they were funny and they had like a stick. And one of them reached out to me one day and he was like, hey man, uh, why don't you, he, he, he was encouraging me to turn ads on my videos. He was like, you can make money from your YouTube videos. And I was like, really? I was like, what? I, we're going to make a couple pennies per video. I was like, I don't know if it's worth it. And he said, just turn on the ads on your video and then call me next month. And I was like, all right, fine. So I turned, I, I became a YouTube partner. I turned on the ads and I made like $18,000 that month. <laughs> and I was like, oh <laughs> shit. Hey, he's right. And so at that moment, I was like, I basically dropped everything and just dedicated all day, every day to cranking out videos. It was like, and it, I, it was easy for me at that time because all I was doing was answering questions. I was like, just send me questions. That's why I started Yo Elliot. I was like, just send me questions. I just stand right in front of the camera. There's no editing, no cutting, no fancy anything. Like I didn't need any help. I literally had a flip cam, you know, those little cameras that had the flip out USB. I put it on a, on a um, tripod and I would just stand there for hours just, answering one question after another and you know of course the volume of videos by you know at some point i was putting up like three four videos a day um it just became my sole source of income oh fantastic so did you stop all forms of coaching at that point too you were just mm -hmm. going by nice i had i you know i had a family you know i saw i got married at age 23 but you know by 2013 i had four kids 
And just to be completely transparent, like I had to do what was going to make me money. I love yeah. the gym and I still love the gym. I still have strength camp. Uh, I was making, I was publishing, I was making eBooks and stuff like that. But I let a lot of things, I was, I was competing in strongman. I let a lot of things just go. I was like, let me just focus on this YouTube thing. Cause I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know how long this is going to keep mm. up this, this type of, uh, you know, the, what it was producing for me. So I literally just went full. I just went all in on YouTube for about three, four years. And, and that, that just kept growing for you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my strength camp channel, which I haven't uploaded for almost a year now, it has 1.8 million subscribers on it. Oh, crazy. And so the sole source of income was just from the advertisements or was you also promoting product through the, so the video too? I started out, you know, the warehouse gym business is, it's a tough business. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it, it's not predictable. Uh, so I was making a little bit of income. I was, I was being able to cover my overhead with the guys that would come to my gym. But then I started making eBooks. Cause of course I was watching Zach Evanesh. I was like, how's this guy doing it? And Zach put me on to Ryan Lee. And I was like, Oh, okay. I can make eBooks. So I started making, I made like a football workout DVD program. And I made a, you know, a couple other uh, eBooks that became very popular, like lean hybrid muscle. I made an advanced five by five program. So I had like these eBooks that I would just come out with and I publish every once in a while that my subscribers would buy. So, but even, even that kind of took a back burner because I was just, YouTube became an addiction too, because not only is the money, you know, more videos I make, the more money I'm making. I'm like, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. But I also got addicted to the attention, you know, like every video I was putting, I was a golden boy for a little while. <laughs> and like, I would put up a video and have 30,000 views and zero dislikes. And it was just like, I got, I, I want to say, like I said before, I got inflated once again. I was like, wow, I could do no wrong. I'm amazing. People love me. And, you know, people start commenting like, Elliot, you saved my life and, you know, all that kind of shit. And I started believing it. <laughs> part, of my, part of my downfall was that I was like just taking all their praise too seriously. And so, you know, I rolled with it as long as, long as I could until, you know, I, I just had a sense that, this this got to be more to it than this. I I'm, I kind of got sick of it. I, I stopped, and I, you know I'm kind of coming full circle right now. I'm going back to strongman and stuff. So you said downfall. What what do you mean? Uh I my pride. I got proud. My I I didn't expect that kind of success so quick. Right, like you said, it was literally like overnight. Literally like overnight, I became like an overnight success. You know these people that win the lottery. You ever hear these stories about people winning a lottery and they blow it all like in a year? It's because like no one prepared them. They had no idea what they were getting into. And they're like, wow, holy shit, windfall. And so they're not prepared to handle it. I don't think I was prepared. My ego wasn't prepared well to handle it. I had to, I had to, I had to bump and bruise myself a little bit to kind of mature into the role. And so I took a few steps back, you know, I stopped making videos and I went back to publishing again. And, uh, and I had a bunch of injuries, right? I tore both of my biceps, tore my Achilles tendon. Oof. And so I went through kind of like a dark period. Now, when, what, what was your moment where you were like, oh shit, this is just too much. Uh, I was having a meeting with, uh, Chris Barnard, who became my partner at Strength Camp, he was one of my students. He was one of the guys that trained at the gym, but he was such a good hard worker that I, I gave him the opportunity to start working with me. You know, he was helping me train the athletes. He was helping me train or like answer my emails and stuff. And um, one day we were just, we were having a cigar. We were at the cigar bar and I was just, I don't know. I was just in a mood, I guess. And I was complaining. I was like, man, I, I need to stop. I need a break from this. I, I need to get away. Like I, it was overwhelming for me. Um, I had just come back from a short trip with my family. We like, you know, I, I was broke up until that point. And so this was the first time I was able to take my family on a vacation. We went to like bumfuck Tennessee, man. We were like in <laughs> Gatlinburg, like I have somewhere like in the middle of nowhere. I was like, all right, well, and I didn't expect to be recognized. But I was like, I was like a celebrity in this backwards, uh, backwater town in Tennessee. And I was like, what is going on right now? I'm sitting down having dinner with my family and kids are tapping me on shoulder and like, you know, one of my take pictures with me. And it was just, I didn't, I didn't know how to handle it. 
I got inflated and then I got depressed and then I was confused and I was just immature. I was immature about it. So I needed to take a break. I told Chris, I was like, I just need to take a break. I need to get away for a moment. Like too many eyes are on me. I'm a, I, I'm an Aries and, and I was, you know, I like to go on Instagram, like scroll through like memes about myself. <laughs> and I read one today that said that um, Aries is, is extroverted but they can, we can very flip flop, very quickly flip flop to introvert. Like I love being in the center of attention, but uh, at the flip of a switch, I could be like, just get away from me. I gotta get away, like stop, don't look at me. And that like switch flip. And I was like, I just need to get away. I wanna hide. I don't want anybody to know, notice me anymore. This is weird. And I told him, uh, or I told him that and he said, why don't you just take a break? Why don't you just take a break from YouTube? And that break turned into like, you know, a, a, basically retirement crazy so how long did you stop for i mean you said you're now about full circle how long did it take you to sort of return to where you are now uh i never really full i never fully returned the same way like you know i would come back every once in a while a few different series is right now i'm i'm more consistent today making videos than i have been in probably the past four years um but i haven't put anything on my strength camp channel which was the channel that blew me up I'm just answer. I do. I have a coaching program where I speak with young men. You know, I'm like it's like mentorship. You know, and we're dealing with fitness, of course, business, women, dealing with things in life, and it's pretty awesome. These guys are getting great breakthroughs, and I just I would meet with them every week for about four or five hours, and then I just decided last year I was like, why don't I just cut these up and put them on YouTube? Maybe people will like them, and uh, and they do, and it has been very helpful. So I'm back making. YouTube videos, but they're not lifting videos. They're just, they're just videos giving advice, you know? What, what made you want to do more, I don't want to call it self-help stuff, but, but directing young men like you're doing, what, what, what sparked that for you? Well, you probably know, like when you're in the gym and you're training with a coach and you're training with your friends, at the end of the workouts, you know, the young men would stick around, you know, we'd stick around and we would have conversations. And a lot of times they would come to me with like, you know, issues with their, maybe with their parents or with their girlfriend or, or with school. And I really enjoyed talking to them about that stuff. As much as I enjoyed talking about jumping and sprinting and lifting, uh, they would come to me with these questions. And it seemed that they were benefiting from what I had, the, 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 I had to offer, whatever advice I was given. And so it turned into one of these things where like, you know, at the end of the workouts, it was like a, a whole separate section, uh, session where it was like, all right, now we're just going to talk. And I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed seeing the fruits in their lives, both in the gym, but then also outside the gym. And then I started to notice the same thing on YouTube because I was just making lifting videos. And then, but then people would start DMing me or like asking questions in the comments that have, that are like, Elliot, my parents just kicked me out of my house. And what am I supposed to do right now? All my friends are against me or my girlfriend dumped me. And I'm like, I'll make a video for this guy. All right. Yeah. So I started making videos, answering those questions. And again, they blew up. People were like wanting to hear what I had to say on those things. And so I was just kind of following the way the, the world was showing me to go. It was just like, I was getting results. So I was like, all right, let me just keep making these videos. I mean, the level of engagement that you must receive from having so many subscribers, your your audience is basically telling you the direction that you should go, I guess, right? If they keep asking the same kind of things, then you're just flowing with that river. That's what it is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, and, and I see some of the stuff that you're posting and it's really admirable. Um, I Not a lot of people, I mean, you, you got guys like Jordan Peterson that are doing their best to really direct young men. Like, have you read 12 Rules for Life? No, it's I one know of, about it. Good book. It's mm -hmm. it's like, hey, learn how to behave, learn how to compose yourself, and and don't get caught up in certain things. Is is what you're preaching. Uh, right. I I just watched one of your videos today, where you were talking about, you know, some guys in the 30s talking, yeah, I wasted my 20s because I didn't go out and I didn't I didn't you know sleep with all these women. And it's, I didn't do that. You know, I I spent my 20s. I got married. I raised a family, and I built an empire like i'm uh, that's that's what you're doing right so it's it's perspective that a lot of these kids just aren't getting today and and i deal with this daily you know yeah. we we have high school kids we have eighth graders through through 12th graders that have no idea how to communicate 
guys or girls. We were, I was just talking, I trained a mom this morning and we were talking about how their kids only communicate through Snapchat. Right. That's, that's all they do. It's, and if, if you read something and then you don't respond right away, well, within 15 minutes, she was telling me that her daughter was ripping her boyfriend saying that he's cheating on her because he didn't respond. He read a message and didn't respond to it within 15 minutes. She goes, are you out of your fucking mind? Yeah. But these kids have no idea how to talk to each other. I have kids in my gym that are like into each other that unless they're communicating through Snapchat, they don't say a fucking word. Yeah. Not a word. It's what the hell's going on? Yeah. You know, I, so yeah. I, I, I love that you're doing this because we do, we do so much coaching at my gym. Uh, I mean, Brooker's seen it firsthand where kids don't know how to shake hands. Hey, look each other in the eye, introduce yourself. Nice to meet you. Firm handshake. This is how you do it. They have no idea how to interact. Uh, and, and I find myself wanting to gravitate towards what you're doing just because no one's helping them. Right. I, I love what you're doing. I think that's, I think that's awesome. And it's, Looking on, do you, do you read comments? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you said back in the day you were the golden boy and you got zero dislikes. I look at some of the shit that you're posting now and I, I see what you, I hear what you have to say. I see some of the videos and I like a lot of the message and people are talking shit. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what, what is wrong? It, it, it seems as though you're just trying to help people and then motherfuckers are just talking shit to you. It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't, I don't, I yeah. don't get it. Because it's the counter narrative. I'm preaching traditionalism, right? I, it's like I'm old school. It's like I'm bringing back old school ideas in a, in a world that's obsessed with progress, right? And, and no progress is not good progress. It's, it's, it, the pendulum is just swinging so far to, to this outrageous direction that it's almost like blasphemy to say normal things like, you know, a girl is a girl and a boy is a boy. Like if you just say that, right, uh, right, or even to say like women make babies, not men, that freak people will freak out. You can't say that, and that's how wacky and so weird the world is. So when I come with the counter narrative, which basically it's funny, I saw this meme the other day. It was like uh, you know re being rebellious in the '60s, and it was like a picture of a hippie. Being rebellious in the '80s, and it was like this punk guy, and it was like being rebellious in 2020 and it was like a family it was a guy just like a normal dude with his wife and like yeah. the children <laughs> that's rebellious It's rebellious to be traditional and to be conservative and to be normal these days the fringes have become the the poster child so they're the ones that make the most noise right yeah yeah, yeah. victims there's that yeah. there, there's there's a value in victimhood these days. It's a virtue. It's a virtue mm -hmm. to be a victim, and it's the craziest thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's like Mike, who's perfect, was what we, what you were saying on the phone to me the other day. You know, uh, hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create bad times, and this is just, yeah. just the cycle that we're going through. I mean, could yep. you imagine post World War Two? Uh, we'd be suffering with the same problems of all of this segregation and all of these distractions and all this noise going around. It would have been laughed at and, and mocked, you know? I know. Yeah, we were, I, I was just telling Brooker, I just watched Saving Private Ryan for the first time since, shit, I don't know, maybe 15 years. I haven't, I haven't watched that movie. And bro, I, I watched this movie and I cried probably three or four different times during this movie, like, holy shit. But then I thought back, this is an entire generation of men that all experienced the same shit. They all lost, every single one of them lost some kind of friend that was near and dear to them. God knows how many of them lost family members and they all had the same exact struggle. And then from there, they built what was what we're standing on in this country right now. Like those, right. those are the people that built what we're able to, to stand on and, and argue over. But they gave us the ability to do this. So no. I, I, I'm, I'm looking at that and I'm just saying, wow, those, those were real motherfuckers. Like what, yeah. what we have now, like this is, I mean, I can, this is the best time to be alive in the history of the planet because <laughs> I can use this fucking thing right here and order an orange to my door and have it delivered within <laughs> 45 minutes, regardless of the season. 
Like we used to not be able to get oranges during the fucking winter in New Jersey. Like, do people not know this? Like, even in my in my in my lifetime, that's how it was. We're we're forgetting this. Yeah. You know, I am. Um, so, a little segue. You were talking that uh, you were smoking cigars in a cigar bar. What kind of do you still smoke? Yeah, I have a cigar every once in a while. What do you smoke? I like Patrons. Ah, nice. Yeah, Nicaraguan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. How how frequently do you smoke? Uh, every few weeks. Ah, oh, that's awesome. Twice a month or something. Yeah, something like that. Nice. Do do you drink it all too? Uh only on Friday. That's like a new thing with my wife and I. We'll have two glasses of wine on Friday and that's it. Wine. A any any specific wine that you're into? Yeah, red wine. I like uh I like uh Cabernet's Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't. Brooker, do you know anything about wine? A little bit, but not enough to go into it. What about training, man? I mean, you're still in top shape, huh? What are you doing? Are you, are you training every day? Or are you still doing strongman style training? Or what are you doing? I'm getting back into it. Yeah, I took a long time off because I had a bunch of injuries. I took, Like I said, I tore both biceps, right. my Achilles tendon. Like, it was, it was tough. And so it took me a little while to kind of, like, get the ball rolling again. Uh, in January of 2020, I did a strongman show in California. I was like the oldest, I was the smallest. I was just so out, out. Uh, the competitors were just so much better than me. It was like my first time back. I'm like the old man. And I'm like, I was, I was 200 pounds in the 230 pound weight class. I took 10th place. I can't complain. But then COVID came as soon as I was there. That's like what COVID started coming. And so my, I, my dreams of, you know, doing a comeback in 2020 were squashed. So I just been spending the past few months uh, just building myself back up, just just getting strong in the gym again. Um, I don't do. I'm gonna do a strongman show again. Uh, I'm gonna get back into competing. I'm a masters now. When I was competing back, you know, I was like 30 when I was competing back then. I'm 42 now, and I also really like moss wrestling. Have you seen moss wrestling? You know what that is? No. We did it at the strongman show uh, in in last January. You may have seen it, but like you just didn't know what it was where there's a stick and two guys grab onto the stick. One guy grabbing the stick on that side and one grab on this side and there's a board between them and you put your feet on the board and then you like, you try to rip the stick out of the other guy's hand. I did it for the first time then. I was like, I'm hooked. And it's kind of an obscure <laughs> sport. I was like, I want to, in a way, I'm not taking credit, but in a way I popularized Strongman on YouTube because I was one of the first guys that got popular on YouTube and I was flipping tires and shit. Of course, I learned it from Zach and I learned it from Joe, but a lot of people learned it from me. I was the one who brought it. So I, part of me is thinking, hmm, maybe I could do the same thing with Moss, with Moss Wrestling because I think it's, with the same way I had this sense that Strongman, when it was so obscure, I was like, this is going to pick up. The people are going to, people are going to, gravitate towards this. It's going to be big soon. And now it is again. I think the same thing might happen with Moss Wrestling because it's just such a primal, brute, strength, agile sport. It looks so dope. <laughs> it's a great way to tear a lat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so you're you're 40 plus now? Mm-hmm. Now you're drinking once a week. What are your, what are your training days? Uh, so I'll do two lifts. Well, I go four days on, one day off two lifting days and then two like conditioning days. And so on my lift, I'll go like heavy on one of my lifting days and then a bit lighter with reps on the second day. And then the other two days, my two uh, conditioning days, a lot of sled dragging and farmer's carries. Now you said you're drinking, you're drinking a red wine. Do you know what region you're drinking the wine from? <laughs> uh, Austin Hope is the one that we typically drink. And I don't know what region it's from. I have no idea. Okay. Now, do you know what's, do you know what constant, and this is, this is where I was going with it. Do you know what constitutes anything in the red wine? Like what, what, how they make it, anything going along with that? Uh, any preservatives? I imagine it's a, a, like a little Italian lady stepping on grapes <laughs> <laughs> in, in a big wooden barrel. She just, is that what happens? Is that where it comes <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so, pretty, pretty little feet mashing the grapes. So do you do anything to track your recovery or track your sleep or track any, any heart rate, anything like that? I don't, I don't track it, but I do, I do take care of recovery. I mean, I stretch every day. I do a lot of static stretching and I know that there's been a lot of, you know, people say that's not a good idea, but as if my range of motion, if I can be strong through my entire range of motion, I reduce my risk for, 
for injury. I know it. I can feel it. I move better. So I do a lot of stretching. I go in a sauna. I have a sauna at my house. So we're in a sauna a few nice. times a week. I'll do cold plunges. I have a cold plunge in my backyard. Um, and for I find that uh, doing just walking, doing a lot of walking uh, helps me recover faster. I started using um, I started using I guess they call them like nitric no no uh, uh, supplements. I think it's like L citrulline and arginine. Mm-hmm. It keeps like the muscles full of blood and you get, like have a perpetual pump. But I find that when I use that, I just I I recover so much faster. I feel so much better. So there are a few things that I do to you know maintain and to continue to recover. Yeah, those those are the vasodilators. What I remember mm-hmm. learning about citrulline, uh, citrulline when ingested, uh, once it's digested and assimilated to the blood and it moves to the blood, it actually acts as arginine in the blood. So you right. take so the the when you stack the two of them together, it gives you just this this insane pump. Um, but my my question to you is: Do you do so on Fridays? You drink at night with your wife. Possibly have a cigar at the same time. The cigars are rare, okay. and usually if I'm out with my buddies or something. Now, what is your recovery like the next day? And if are you two, working out the next day? If I have two glasses of wine, because usually that's where we stop. Uh, I might be a little groggy, but my uh, I still train. And I still feel I'm not getting drunk, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting drunk. What I have discovered uh, as I've gotten older is that sex makes me a little groggy the next two day too. I almost have like a hangover the next day. So I've been doing semen retention, and that is such a game changer. I learned it from my students because you know all these kids they're addicted to pornography and they're jerking off all day long, and so we you know we had a lot of conversations about that, and you know a lot of the guys were doing some research and they were sending me some studies. They were like, yeah, I've discovered how bad it is to be jerking off all day. And so they would start going on these, uh, these NoFap streaks. And they'd be like, yeah, I'm 40, days in, I'm 40 days in and I'm feeling great. I feel amazing. And I'm like, wow, I haven't, I, I've been with my wife since we were in high school. I've been having sex with this woman multiple times a week for the past 30 years. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever gone a week or longer without blowing my load. And these kids are, are, are retaining for months and feeling great. So I was like, I, there's probably got to be something to it. And I did enough, I did some research and I looked into it and there's a lot of significant uh, evidence behind uh, your ability to be sharp, your ability to recover. Your, your, there's a whole lot of good stuff that happens when you don't bust your nut all the time. So that's kind of another thing that I'm kind of working into my routine. <laughs> so have you seen the research um, that shows that there's no significant long-term uh impact from daily daily ejaculation on testosterone levels versus mm-hmm. versus so you you it's, it's so what do you think is the contributing factor do you think it's the elevation in prolactin levels why why do you think that you feel hungover so uh it has a lot to do with the orgasm and it's not just the ejaculation itself right so like you know there's Montak Chia will talk about like, you know, when you, when you release your jizz, when you, you, you blow your load, that you're losing a lot of nutrients that way. That may or may not be true, but what really convinced me was the work of this guy. He's a neurochemist. I can't remember his name, but his wife wrote a book called um, Cupid's Poison Arrow, where she, where she just lays out all the research that his, her husband did. And he talks about the neurochemical explosion that happens in the brain that's very similar to heroin. And he says that the hangover that you're experiencing is because of the is because of the massive dump of neurotransmitters and stuff in your brain. So he says it's really what's happening to, in the brain that causes the the decline in performance and the mood and you know things of that nature. You know, uh, in in French they call uh, an orgasm. It's translated to like the little death or something you know. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a book, a lot of this stuff comes from like the Taoists, the right? And they were trying to like build longevity. And there's this one book that I had, I read it years ago and I didn't take heed until, you know, very recently. Uh, and the guy had like a, a map for how long, based on how old you are, how long you should wait before blowing your load again. And it was something like, you know, if you're 30, you should wait 10 days. You shouldn't, you shouldn't blow your load for 10 days. I'm 42 now and I'm supposed to go 16 days. So have you ever heard of Carezza sex? 
Mm-mm. No. Carousel sex is, is, well, long story short, it's basically having sex without blowing your load. So it's about, you know, the big thing is like self-control. And so it's like a whole new thing that I'm, I'm working on, right? Like building that self-control to just have sex as long as you want, whenever you want, but without blowing your load. So in TCM, uh, I actually have a master's in acupuncture now. Wow. And one of the things that we learn is when men ejaculate, that's part of our jing. That's, that's our DNA. We actually give up part of ourselves and we're losing chi. And we'll never get that chi back because, you know, throughout life, there's two ways to build chi. You're, you're given X amount, but you could breathe and you can eat. But when you blow your load, you lose chi. Now women, they are the receptacle. So they, even though they orgasm, they're not losing any chi. They're actually gaining stuff. So they're, they're taking from us in, in some sense. Uh, There is a protocol that we are to follow. Although I didn't, I didn't dive too deep into it as to, (laughs) <laughs> how old you are and how frequently you should be having sex. Now, what's interesting though is um, in you know the, the unco- upcoming years, I, I plan to start a family and I'm, I'm reading about fertility, infertility, maximizing fertility, maximizing potency. Now, as a man, the best, the best way that you have to the most fertile semen that you have will be within a 10-day span of, of ejaculation. Mm-hmm. So- when the woman is in the middle of menstruation is when you need to sit there and you need to completely clean the pipes. Like you need to make sure there is nothing left and your body produces brand new sperm. That way, 14 days from day one is ovulation and you have the most potent, healthiest sperm you can. Whereas if you leave sperm in there for too long, it's kind of like, you know, the sperm's just chilling in the fucking walker and it gets decrepit. And that's- Yeah. So, so you do want to rejuvenate from now, this is from a fertility standpoint, not from a TCM standpoint. Um, yeah. And, and the other thing I constantly think about too, is if you are not, because I, I went down this path in college with Michael Johnson and his half jerks. Do you ever hear about that? No. So Michael, Michael Johnson, I I may be fucking spreading internet rumors here. I don't know. (laughs) I should say Michael Johnson, allegedly uh, before events, or maybe the night before races would do a half jerk where he would go to the point where he was like, ah, I'm about to, and then just cut it. And then he'd have the Olympics the next, next day. So if this is a true story, motherfucker set a world record. I was like, fuck it. Like it's good enough for him. Good enough for me. I don't give a shit. So the, the concept of not ejaculating even as a young guy, I mean, I remember going to practice after having sex and not even be able to swing a bat. So I was like, I set a rule, no sex before practices, right? No more. Um, it, it actually made me feel like dog shit right. instantly. I, I felt wow. terrible, but that's the short-term response from a long-term perspective. I don't know. Um, even now though, uh, I, I'm very into sleep tracking. I use this product called the aura ring nice. and it tracks, it tracks my respiratory rate, tracks my heart rate, deep sleep, REM sleep. And I'm, I'm very into it. When I have sex before bed, my heart rate stays elevated for two to four hours. It takes time for it to go down before it gets back into where it's supposed to be. Um, I don't know if that's because, you know, the duration of sex has something to do with it or is it the activity in and of itself? Is it right. the processing in the brain? I don't know. Um, and, and that's, again, what I was segueing into with your drinking and your recovery, especially at that age with the torn biceps and the torn Achilles and all, mm-hmm. all this shit going on, who knows how, how all these things are impacting your recovery. But I, right. I, I don't know which way to turn in regards to recommendations on which I, so I just leave it the hell alone in regards to ejaculation, but have your guys been getting good benefits from it? Yeah. And of course it's all anecdotal. They're just telling me I feel great and I trust that they, I trust that they do. And of course they've sent me lots of resources that I dive into. So, you know, everything's an experiment, right? You could, you could have a scientific paper that says one thing and you can find a scientific paper that says the exact opposite. And both of them will be validized by whoever wants to believe it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So a lot of that stuff, although, you know, we want to find the truth. I think that the bottom line is you got to try, you got to check it out for yourself. You got to do it yourself and see. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even going back to these kids again, it's, it's beneficial for them. I, 
it's it's messed up to say, but I when kids ask me about it, I tell them to stay away from porn because right. we're 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 attempting to have on a psychologist, um, Dr. Cameron Seppa. And we've we've been in contact with him and he does this thing called dopamine fasting. Right. Where he does everything he can to just purge the brain of dopamine. Brooker, go go into that. Yeah. So I mean, you're basically trying to change your 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 natural habit habitual behavior. So you're not looking for these short-term fixes. And it goes from everything from the phone to porn and short-term satisfaction because majority of the time short-term rewards don't lead to long-term progress right it seems right. to be there's this other flip short-term sacrifice leads to a bit longer longer reward so that's his that's his point of view so but i mean these kids are sure going to feel better if they're staying away from porn a little bit especially if they know that they've got a problem and that right. they're looking to fix it so they're already feeling a bit more proud of themselves and probably got a bit more energy from you know going like a lunatic right uh, themselves you know so mm-hmm Right on, Brooker. I, so, uh, do do you have do you have anything else you want to ask, Elliot? I mean, one one point I would like to ask. I mean, you mentioned that you um, were going one take at the beginning when you were when you were going with your YouTube channel. Now, did that take you some time to get into it? Was you like naturally skilled at it, or did it was it just like as soon as the camera was in your face, you were just you were going gun hole, and then that was it. You were just in flow state straight away. Yeah, that's the way I always did it. I always did it that way. Uh, and the more, as with anything else, the more you practice, the smoother it gets. Right. So it was just repetition, just reps. More reps, the smoother it gets. And so at a certain point, it was just like, turn it on, talk, turn it off, boom, next. And you just clockwork. Now I notice like everybody hyper edits everything. You hear somebody talking, you don't even know if they actually are saying it because they have so many cuts that it's, that they're like piecing together their whole conversation. <laughs> so I, there was, I think that was something that also drew, a lot of people were attracted to that. They were like, wow, Elliot never cuts, you know, if he's saying something. And if I, I made a lot of mistakes in my videos or I'll say the wrong thing, sometimes I'll say things that don't make any sense. And I'll go back and I'm like, all right, that didn't make any sense, but somebody will like it. <laughs> and I will have like interruptions. Like we, there's a, there's a, like for my fans that have been following me for a long time, there's a running joke about the garbage man. Cause I used to have, in my, at my warehouse gym, the garbage man would come and sometimes making videos and right in the middle of the video, here comes the garbage man. And I would just wait and I and watch him go off and then you hear it go and I say, okay, where was I? And I would just continue the conversation and people like that. <laughs> so, so based off all the feedback you've been getting for so many years now, what are the things that the pe that people have really appreciated most about you? Is it this authentic nature, the way that you do things or is it always just because, I mean, you must, like, me and Mike talk always about skill stacking. So you started off talking about strongman, but it didn't, it wasn't long until you must have started talking about other things. And, you know, now we're talking about psychology and, and, and sort of uh, uh, masculine energy and stuff like this. So what other, what have people most enjoyed about you through your progress? Because you must have changed so much in these last however many years. I think people just enjoy hearing me talk. And, I, and I'm not saying that facetiously. Right. It's, I, and a lot of people have told me that. They were like, Elliot, I, especially when I wasn't making videos, they're like, just come, uh, just make a video, just talk about anything. We just want to hear you talk. And that was hard for me to accept too, because I was like, I'm not actually an expert in anything. I'm not really a genius in any way. Right. I don't have any like, you know, I, I know how to lift. I'm a strength coach, but I'm not even, I'm not the greatest. And a lot of people were just, they were attracted to my videos and it just came, I, it was hard for me to accept that I'm just a talking head. Like I'm, I'm people get value from just hearing me talk. And one kid wrote like this, Elliot, you could read the ingredients of a soap, uh, a shampoo bottle. He was like, just read off the ingredients of a shampoo bottle. And we'll listen, I'll listen to a podcast of you reading that all day long. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. It was hard for me to accept. But now that I realize it, I'm just like, uh, it doesn't matter. I can talk about anything, whatever I talk about. There's going to be people that just want to hear it. Fantastic. <laughs> it is a little crazy, but it's, it's, it's the, the truth. And I had, to, I had to accept that about myself. I, I, that it, was, it was humbling for me to realize that they're not listening to me for, because I'm brilliant. They're listening to me because they just like to hear my voice. So do you ever, <laughs> do you ever run out of content? 
Like, do you ever sit there and like, fuck, what, what do I bring on? Do people ever run out of questions to ask? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'll talk about anything. They'll send me questions about anything. And I, I doesn't mean I have the right answer, but I'll tell you what I think. Right. And I mean, you've got the best mindset because you, I mean, you've already mentioned that you'll say things that are wrong or you'll change your mind. So, I mean, you're just, oh, yeah. you're just putting out and it doesn't matter really even what you say. Right. I guess. Right. And that's why a lot of people will criticize me. I get a lot of critics and they'll say that I think, I, I think I'm a guru. I'm like, I'm too, first of all, I'm too dumb to be a guru and I'm too selfish to be a guru. <laughs> guru a guru can't be wrong and I'm wrong a lot. Another thing about a guru is that they want people's loyalty and I actually want to get people away from me. I, I like to answer questions and then walk away. All right. That's it. I'm not, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to save you. I'm not going to, I'm not here to counsel you. I'm not a counselor. I'm just giving you my opinion on stuff. It's just opinions. Have you found that, I mean, you mentioned at the beginning that you really enjoyed the praise. So I guess on the flip side of the coin, if you enjoy praise, it hurts to receive criticism. Whereas yeah. now you receive a lot of, or would say more criticism now than you did before. But if that doesn't hurt you, then I guess the praise also doesn't really affect you either. So now it maybe it's much more um, uh, self-driven rather than you're trying to please all of the the people that are sort of following you and now you're really doing something that I guess you feel much more aligned with. Maybe that's also yeah. why you're back to where you are. I'm just doing my job. Right. Right. I mean, you get up and you do your job, whether you, you want to or not, or whether somebody says thank you or not, or whether somebody hates what you did or not. It's like, Hey, it's my job, buddy. I turn on the camera. I talk, do with it what you want, but it's my responsibility to get up every day and just do this. Right. So what does every day look like for you? I mean, are you on the same schedule and routine? Are you living more like a sort of dedicated artist to this or are you just going no, with the flow? I work, I, I train most of the day. Most of my, I do two a days. I forgot to mention that when you asked me about training, I do two a day. I train mm -hmm. once in the morning, I train once in the evening. So a lot of my day revolves around training and eating and praying. I pray the rosary. I'm Catholic. So I pray the rosary four times a day. So eating, training, and praying. That's like my, that's what my life looks like. And then on Thursdays, I spend about, just on Thursday, I spend about five hours with my coaching students um, answering questions. And those are the videos that end up on YouTube. I'm also, you know, answering emails and, you know, doing things in between here and there. But um, most of my life is, is, is training, eating, and praying. What's your family life look like these days? I have four children, three daughters. And a son. My son's the youngest. How, how, old, how old's your oldest? 16. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. And how's, how's that going? Like raise, raising kids and, and living this lifestyle and, and being, being a YouTube celebrity that any of, her any of her friends that she goes to school with look you up and can hear you talking about cranking it. Yeah, that that was tough. At least for my oldest, my other two, they thought it was great. My other two daughters <laughs> and my son, he thinks it's awesome. He'll watch my videos and you know. But um, for my oldest daughter, it was real tough because she's more of an introvert, and she wanted to like not be noticed at school, mm -hmm. and she, she couldn't help but be noticed because, hey, breathe into your balls. That's like, no, <laughs> I'll say that to my daughter, and you know, <laughs> come home and be like depressed, and it's like they were just teasing me about breathing into my balls all day. Like, sorry, kid. <laughs> I've just, I've just had a, I've just had my first child, a daughter. She's uh, now five months old. And uh, what do you, I mean, yeah. before, before I had kids, I always felt like it's almost a different role that you have when you raise a son to raising a daughter. Oh, is yeah. that, how, how is that for you? I mean, what, what's your perspective on the difference between raising a son and a daughter? Because to me, there's a clear difference in what you're trying to sort of, uh, uh, produce especially if you have a, an idea of a traditional mindset i'm also very similar to you in this way so how how do you go about that now especially with such a i don't know a different world you know one where everyone's the same and you can just be whatever you want one day and then the next day you're something else you know yeah it is not easy man it, it's 
like just yesterday, it's constant battle. I'm constantly fighting against the culture because the culture wants to indoctrinate our children with all kinds of false ideas, bad ideas. And of course, I'm the dad, so I'm always wrong. <laughs> and so they, you know, I'll have to like debrief them and argue with them about the dumb stuff that they heard on Netflix or they or they believe from a YouTube video or, or things that their friends are doing. I think the mo most important thing is to be, I have to be relentless. I have to be vigilant. I can't let anything slide because the minute I don't acknowledge that, Hey, that's wrong. Then basically there's no counter narrative because the rest of the world is, is, uh, facilitates and 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 helps children to believe a lot of wrong things so and girls are really impressionable girls are super impressionable and we live in a feminist world we live in a gynocentric world yep. and so there's a lot of male there's a lot of man hate there's a lot of father hate uh you know they say they're against the patriarchy or whatever um and it, it, my daughters who have a loving home father at home they get indoctrinated with these things and i have to like Slap them right, no, literally slap them right. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why they hate me because I'm no, I never, I never beat my kids. Well, I have to slap some sense in them every once in a while. I'm like, hey, pay attention. Does, does that add up? Does that make any sense? Look at you, mm -hmm. look at your father, look at your grandfather, look at your, your uncles, look at your brother. Do you really believe the garbage that they're telling you on, on TikTok about men? And so, know. you know, like every man is a rapist. Like, that's something that like they'll teach girls that every yeah. man. It, Every man is rapist. You always oh, that's is that so? So you're a byproduct of rape, right? okay? And so I have to like challenge the the dumb things that come into my home through the screens. If I could give one piece of advice, something that I wish I would have known and I wish I would have done better was is to delay the access and have lots of boundaries around the internet and the screens for your kids mm -hmm. because you otherwise you're you're going to be in a constant battle against the culture in your own home. I'm fighting demons in my house. Yeah. Yeah. That I let in. How come you didn't homeschool? I am homeschooling. Oh, you are? Yeah, we just started. Uh, how come you didn't start with it? Uh, well, I needed my wife's help to do it. And she was always pregnant. So, so she was like, I, she's nursing one kid and one in the belly. She's like, I, she just didn't feel confident enough to be able to, to teach the kids while she's nursing and incubating. So, but once, uh, and then we sent them to private school, which God, that was so damn expensive. But once COVID hit last year and they started doing, um, they started doing uh, virtual school. That was my in. I was like, Hey, look, it looks like we're homeschooling. It's like, why am I paying this private school? And so, I was, so this year we're not homeschooling and I'm actually moving to a farm. We're going out to rural Florida. I bought 42 acres and we're going to homestead. We're going to homeschool. It's going to be a whole new set of rules. It's going to be a whole different lifestyle. That's awesome. That is That's really cool. Hey, one one thing, I mean, I've noticed because I, I spend a lot of time around younger girls too here in my house. And uh, I, I noticed that they're, they're, the, the type of men that they're sort of interested in are very sort of feminized men, right? Mm -hmm. Have you noticed with your daughter, I mean, she's grown up around sort of a strong masculine alpha male father, is she more swayed to sort of a more traditional sort of alpha guy or do you see it swayed the other way? Well, my daughter is not allowed to date. <laughs> it, <laughs> right. That's just the boys that come to my house anyway. <laughs> right. But you know what they like? They, they have crushes on these K-pop stars, these little Asian boys that look like girls. You know what I'm talking right. about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I, <laughs> I know, know it. That's why I'm asking. Right. I'm like, <laughs> these pictures of these boys and i'm like hmm, is this I, I guess and i was trying to figure it out the other day because i thought about that as well i was like what is this why is it that you know preteen, like teenage girls they like boys that look like girls and it's not a new thing i because i did a little research and i look back at like when the beatles were coming up and the beatles were like the first boys yeah to wear long hair and i'm looking at pictures of the beatles from the 1960s i'm like why do they look like little girls and I, my hypothesis is that it's when a girl, when girls are that young, they're not really interested in men. They're, they're interested in what's cool and what's cool for girls and for teenagers, I guess, at that age or what like other girls are doing. And so the boys that look like girls that dress like girls remind them of other girls. And I think they just gravitate to their own sex for a little while. 
I think they grow out of it, though. I, I'm hoping so. They'll grow <laughs> out of it. <laughs> this is my, all my opinion. I don't know if this is true or not. But they'll get to a particular point where I'll realize, uh, actually, I'm not interested in effeminate men. And when adult women are attracted to effeminate men, it's because they can control them. Effeminate men are very easy to ma manipulate, and women, as, as do men, but women have a covert sense of power. They want to have, have power over the man. And a man that you could push around, a man that's effeminate, is, is a man that you can lord your, your, your sex power over. And so a lot of women, when they get older, they're attracted to effeminate men because, you know, that's the type of woman they are. But I think a rightly ordered woman is, wants to be wants to be feminine she wants to be a woman and as a result you need a counterpart you need somebody that is on the other side of the coin which is you know yeah. a man it's a man yeah i thinking thinking back of the types of girls when i was in like fifth and sixth grade that that uh, types of guys that these girls were into it was like john remember jonathan taylor thomas from right. from home improvement like the, right. the band hansen they all had long hair you they all looked pretty the block. kids yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's nothing new. It's just, I think it's typical for girls that age. Yeah, yeah. Plus, and, and Hollywood knows that. And so they, they have a formula for the boy band, right? You think? I see, I, I think people think that the government and that Hollywood and that all these people are way more calculated than they actually, are. I think it's just like, oh shit, these people seem to be a big deal. Like, let's just, let's just throw some publicity behind them. I, yeah. I think, I, I, I don't know. I, with with stuff like that, I always chalk it up to just blind luck than than I do any kind of manipulation. You know what I mean? There's a formula though. There's a boy band formula. It, the uh, there was a show about it once. There was like a reality show about making the band. I think it was called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And not that I watched it, but when I saw the ads for it, I was like, oh, I see what they're doing. They see that there's a formula that works. And of course, why wouldn't, you know, as strength coach, you know, there's a formula that works for your athletes, right? Mm -hmm. You got to have a lift. You got to have a speed move and you got to have some dynamic flexibility. There's a formula. You know, we got to put these pieces in it. And if any of these pieces are not there, it's not going to work. And of course, Hollywood knows that in terms of entertainment. Look at all the movies, the crap movies that we watch. There's a formula. They're just following a freaking formula. Uh, fucking Netflix. I... I, that's that's going to be the bane of my existence with all these fucking kids and everyone comes in with all these stupid arguments. No. I, the, the Netflix documentaries that I hear with with what the health and, and all this yeah. crap is driving me fucking nuts. Everyone comes yeah. in, they're a fucking expert now. Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so yeah. let me ask you this. You started, you started as a coach, then you became the YouTube guy, and now you're working towards – you're essentially a coach again. Where are you trying to move this? Are you trying to move this in, in any direction? Well, I tell you, I'm moving to the ranch. I bought well, 42 <laughs> acres. <laughs> yep. I bought 42 acres. I got a big, beautiful house for my family to be on, but on the, in the, on the backside, there's a 6,000-square-foot warehouse. And so I'm going to build that out to be my strongman training facility. I'll probably start doing – strongman events again. I'll probably start doing strongman training and stuff. I want to get into the Moss wrestling. I'm going to hire a camera guy to come and basically vlog what we're doing there. And I'm going to get back into being a strength coach. And I, I'm just going to do it, you know, a, a, a level higher now that I have the resources, I have the, uh, the, the attention. So, you know, I'll start making the videos again and we'll see where it goes. I mean, that's my intention, but we'll see how it unfolds. And, I'm a homes, I'm gonna homestead there. So part of the part of it would be like you know, show, I got two dogs, and we'll probably get some chickens, and it'll, just mm -hmm. like whatever's going on on the ranch, on the strength camp ranch. That's that's pretty awesome. Are you are you gonna like bring in athletes and train them out of that that spot? That's what I'm thinking. That's it. That's yep, I, that's the plan. I think that's most coaches' dreams, right? Like have mm -hmm. have like a rocky barn where you can you know from like Rocky Four and train everyone out of there, and everyone comes to you. I mean, I've always thought about having my own, my own ranch with all organic food that everyone would be eating. I'd feed them. They'd come. They'd stay for a certain amount of time. We'd butcher the fucking cows ourselves, eat everything right there, farm to table. I, that's, and you're, you're about to do the shit, bro. That's Yeah, it. that's it right there, man. You're, that's the dream. Dude, that's awesome. So where is everyone going to find you right now? Just go on Instagram. I mean, I'm kind of active on there posting stuff regularly and then my um, if you know you're into strength and conditioning because you know i imagine you are if you're watching this podcast you know my strength camp channel hasn't had a video on it in over a year but i'm gonna start posting on there 
again pretty soon once I go to the ranch. Like I said, I'm going to hire a camera guy. It's going to be all about strength camp on the ranch. Um, but I post on my Elliot Health channel, you know, where I'm just giving, giving life advice, just having conversation with young men about making men strong again. That's awesome. Bro, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you for reaching out, man. I remember watching you in the, in the Joe D DVDs back in the day. <laughs> you would talk about you all the time. You were a freak athlete, man. I think you said you, you had that box jump that was like <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, bro. Things change. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fat old guy now, comparatively. Well, yeah, everything changes. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> thank you, brother.